Welcome to Woking Up. White supremacy. White, white, white supremacy is the fringe of the fringe. This is a mini-series brought to you by Polite Conversations. All of a sudden we can't talk about Neanderthal DNA anymore. Here I'll talk about my journey into and out of being a new atheist Sam Harris fan. In and of itself, in and of itself, that video is not evidence of racism. I'm your ex-Muslim host, Ina. No, not the right-wing kind. Thank you for tuning in. This is how the left will die. Alright. I did not think I'd be reviving Woking Up after over a year's hiatus in relation to what Sam said about the humanitarian crisis in Gaza. I had uh, other plans for the next Woking Up episode, but, you know, this was just so, so bad that I really couldn't let it go unchallenged. So here we go. First, though, I want to begin with some broader points I'd like to make. Can't let this be entirely about Sam Harris's garbage views. It's been an extremely difficult week. The feelings of utter helplessness and despair are hard to overcome, really. I don't know what to do, but just say these words. What's happening right in front of us seems like not much else I've experienced in my lifetime, even though I lived through uh, the Iraq War and Operation Desert Storm. There have certainly been plenty of human-made horrors and violence in the past, but there isn't much comparable that has been captured and disseminated this instantly, this intimately before. The blatant disregard for the loss of innocent civilian lives, the escalation of violence, the toxicity of the rhetoric, it's, it's a lot. It feels so up close and personal because of that. It hits harder, it hurts harder because of that intimacy of first-hand reports we're seeing on social media. The endless violence is unbearable day after day after day. And I'm saying this from the comfort of my home in a safe country. I, I cannot begin to imagine the terror of those who have nowhere to hide, nowhere to run, no way to save their children. No children deserve to see such terror and violence from afar even, let alone experience it personally for days on end. As a parent, this pain is almost more unbearable than any other sort. The killing of children is hard to accept, to fathom and wrap my mind around even. I am horrified by what Hamas has done to innocent Israeli civilians, 
women, senior citizens, and children, for fuck's sake. I find it utterly heartbreaking and unacceptable. I condemn this violence and terrorism wholeheartedly. But in the same way, I cannot believe the collective punishment we are witnessing towards innocent Palestinian civilians, including so, so many women and children, journalists, hospitals, doctors, with the death toll now climbing into the thousands. With many of the world's most powerful people and nations not doing a thing to stop it for days. In fact, Many voicing support, framing it as self-defense when it is also clearly being carried out on civilians who cannot escape. The kinds of blatantly dehumanizing rhetoric I've heard in the past few days, I've honestly never heard in my life, in real time, leading to real-world consequences and very real violence. Before, these were the types of things you would read about in history books and articles later. But now you see them happen in front of your very eyes as the violence escalates. I haven't felt or sensed this level of fear among my Muslim family and friends since 9-11. This hate will affect us all whether we are believers or non-believers, will be judged increasingly harshly by our names, our skin color, our country of origin. It's, it's pretty fucking scary. We've been here before. It's the exact same playbook. They're already on the why didn't Biden say radical Islam thing on Fox News. And as you'll hear, Sam has dusted off some of his old clash of civilizations talking points. I've seen how this all plays out. I've lived it as someone of Muslim background. And I know that we're still suffering the consequences of how people viewed us after 9-11. Just try traveling with one of us. Those of you who know me know I am no fan of religion. I am an ex-Muslim who grew up in Saudi Arabia. I have seen the effects of religious extremist worldviews very personally, and I have no soft spot for it, no desire to make excuses for religious scriptures. But if your analysis of this situation cannot go beyond Islam, bad, or religion, bad. You are very shallow, reductive, and ignorant on the matter. There's so much more at play here, identities, histories, politics. You cannot boil it all down to religion, bad, because you're not even scratching the surface. There is no moral clarity in being a shallow dumbass that has one line There are complex histories and politics around the groups involved. There are dangerous, harmful tropes and dehumanizations and the horrific injustices those have led to in the past. We must be very careful, even in our hurt and our rage, no matter what side of the issue you're on, not to fall into these harmful tropes and language that generalizes any broad group involved. Keep your criticism specific to Hamas or to the state of Israel. Do not blame civilians for this. 
And keep in mind that Palestine's population is more than 50% under 18. They did not vote for Hamas. Some parts of this story may be complicated, certainly, but there are other things that are very, very simple to understand. The asymmetry, for example, in the groups involved, the difference in support and resources that Israel and Palestine have, and the disproportionate retaliation, vengeance, and destruction that Israel is engaged in now. These are very strange and difficult times. Emotions are heightened. There's a lot of misinformation and disinformation being spread. That tends to happen in times like these, in times of conflict and war, if you can even call something with this level of power imbalance a war. But regardless, there's always propaganda in times like this. But currently, I feel like it's escalating at unprecedented levels. Anyone can spread anything at any time without any checks on Elon's Twitter account verification. Diminishing in credibility has only added to the confusion. It is a hellhole where trolls and Nazis and bigots have personally been invited back by him and given algorithmic assistance to cause chaos. And aside from problems that Elon has caused, social media is a catalyst in itself. Lies spread like wildfire and truth often slips through the cracks. In these times, it feels especially dangerous to not know whether you can even trust a mainstream news outlet because even they're reporting things that are turning out to be inaccurate, as is Israel's own official account. We should all be very careful about what we post and share so as not to add to the confusion. I've been reading about how groups linked to Al-Qaeda and American neo-Nazis are exploiting this crisis to encourage attacks on innocent people. Things are bad. A a six-year-old Palestinian-American boy was stabbed multiple times. These are horrific days. Some Nazis are masquerading as pro-Palestinian, anti-war types and encouraging vile anti-Semitic sentiment. The Hindu right is apparently also a source for some of the anti-Palestinian disinformation. Hollywood quote-unquote liberals are posting some unhinged stuff that looks like it could have come from Breitbart. It's a confusing mess out there. Occasionally, though, we will see some credible reports or a first-hand account of the suffering people in Gaza are having to endure. And more and more accounts like this are being verified by multiple sources, so the word is getting out. They shut off power and water and internet, stop food and aid from coming in. It is obviously not just Hamas that will suffer from that. It will be babies in hospitals, the old, the sick, the vulnerable. They are being ordered to evacuate in impossible conditions. And when some find a way, convoys of evacuees are bombed by Israel. When they say they are graciously turning the water back on, there is likely nothing to turn on, though, if all the pipes and infrastructure have been obliterated. Aside from the misinformation, there is a lot of deliberate blurring of lines happening, a lot of calculated and purposeful conflation where distinctions between Hamas and Palestinians are being deliberately blurred, where any support for Palestinians is immediately being spun as support for Hamas and terrorism. 
even BBC had to issue a correction recently, but you know, by then the damage is already done. People's reputations and livelihoods are being destroyed for simply speaking out about an urgent humanitarian crisis. Now, before we go, earlier on BBC News, we reported on some of the pro-Palestinian demonstrations at the weekend. We spoke about several demonstrations across Britain during which people voiced their backing for Hamas. We accept that this was poorly phrased and was a misleading description of the pro-Palestinian demonstrations. Now, here's the weather. And then any criticism of the state of Israel is being weaponized as anti-Semitism. This achieves nothing but a win for the bigots who thrive in the confusion. I've seen takes that imply asking Israel to show any restraint on the violence at this moment is anti-Semitic. As an ex-Muslim who has been plenty critical of Islam, I can say that I'm familiar with this tactic of taking valid critique and trying to silence it by labeling it as bigotry, of, of weaponizing accusations of bigotry. In fact, many of the people calling such criticism anti-Semitic are the ones who used to be irritated when someone labeled valid critique of something Islamophobic. Of course, that's not to say that real Islamophobia and real anti-Semitism aren't also in the mix here. They very, very much are. And for the pedants, let me just clarify that I mean anti-Muslim bigotry by the term Islamophobia. Both types of dangerous bigotry are surging across the world right now. Violence is happening outside of the Middle East because of the rise in hate and rage. And just trying to have a conversation about this situation is difficult because of all these factors. The blurring of lines, the conflation between supporting Palestinian lives and safety and dignity to supporting Hamas. The genuine bigots rejoicing in this opportunity to hate on both Muslims and Jews. It feels impossible to navigate. On October 16th, the Prime Minister of Israel's official account tweeted, This is a struggle between the children of light and the children of darkness, between humanity and the law of the jungle. The tweet has now been deleted, but I haven't seen a more obvious case of colonialist, racist framing setting Israel up as the children of light, humanity, and its opponents the children of darkness, the jungle, animals, basically. They may say this is specifically directed at Hamas, but with a constant, purposeful conflation, even from officials, you know these words describe what they think of the broader Arab population. In fact, an Israeli politician literally said the children of Gaza brought this upon themselves. And quite predictably, the free speech warriors, the free speech absolutists, are cheering on the silencing of journalists or academics who so much as express mild criticism of the state of Israel or their support for Palestine. So-called free speech absolutists are cheering on bands of peaceful pro-Palestinian protests in Europe. Wasn't it this type of free speech absolutist 
that used to say that it mattered most to support the expression of views and ideas one found abhorrent even? I guess that only applies when someone is saying the N-word or there's a neo-Nazi invited to speak on some campus. But, you know, there have undoubtedly also been some problematic statements and people from the left, and I won't be making any excuses for those. Like any other group, the left has people within it that will do and say awful, horrendous shit. It is far from perfect. There's no point in denying that. However, I am comforted by the fact that I've seen nothing but widespread condemnation for such problematic takes. On the right, however, and right-adjacent IDW sphere, unhinged takes seem to be the norm and are wholeheartedly embraced. The more callous and unhinged, the more celebrated. Dave Rubin has been using this moment to spread hatred not only about the expected relevant things, but about BLM, Democrats, progressives, and the left in general, too. Brett Weinstein has been doing some word salad tweets about how we need to do eugenics or something. Sorry, he called it um, lineage selection, to be precise. He's been spouting some weird 9-11 truther type conspiracy theories and, of course, bringing COVID and COVID vaccines into it. Just bizarre shit. Gad Saad has been taking this opportunity to blame Muslim immigration in Canada, progressives, and Justin Trudeau. He had some snark directed at queer people showing any solidarity with Palestinians. Douglas Murray has taken this opportunity to, of course, say that it's difficult to tell between people who support Hamas and people who support uh, Palestinians. And then after deliberately blurring these lines, he went on to do his usual anti-Muslim immigrant routine. We have let too many in. We should get them all out. Expecting proportionality in Israel's response is unfair. I mean, I should have expected all this, but even I didn't think they would stoop this low. Michael Shermer, who has, according to himself, studied Holocaust deniers for decades, tweeted, People compare Hamas to Nazis. That's not fair. Nazis knew killing Jews was wrong. That's why they did it in secret, mostly in Poland at isolated death camps. At war's end, covered over their crimes, burned documents, destroyed gas chambers, and denied it after. Hamas is bragging about murdering Jews, posting videos on social media, and declaring Allahu Akbar. If you do not support Israel and the Jews, there's that conflation. You are literally worse than the Nazis. Congratulations. After studying the Holocaust and its deniers for 30 years, I didn't think it was possible anyone could top that. I was wrong. So there he is, not just labeling Hamas or Palestinians worse than the Nazis, but everyone who doesn't support Israel currently which he conflates with the Jews. And in trying to label all his ideological opponents worse than Nazis, he's actually greatly minimized the horrors carried out by the Nazis. As someone who has studied Holocaust deniers for three decades, he should know that the Nazis did celebrate their actions. They had celebratory rituals. And the reason they denied and tried to hide their actions was not because they knew it was wrong to kill Jews. It was because they didn't want to face consequences for their cruelty. 
This is revisionism, distortion, and minimization. No, Michael Shermer, you do not gotta hand it to the Nazis, like ever. Remember, this is the same guy who runs Skeptic Magazine. This is the guy who tweeted in 2017 at the height of the MAGA alt-right era that Stefan Molyneux was one of the most articulate podcasters for reason. So yeah, that's a general quick rundown of what the IDW types have been up to lately. I felt you needed to hear it, but... uh, Oh, I, I might be forgetting one more. Perhaps my lady brain got a little confused because he handed in his IDW card after all. But you know, if you ever wondered just how much IDW-ness Sam still has in him, he makes it pretty clear in his most recent monologue on the Israel-Palestine issue. Now, of course, I will get accusations of taking him out of context because I can't exactly play the whole entire thing here. So if you'd like to hear it in its full context, please go check it out. By all means, it does not make it any better. I was not really aware of Sam in the immediate post-9-11 years, so I didn't get a first-hand look at what he's really like during such times. But now I certainly am, and it is not good. It's one thing to read his In Defense of Torture article many years after the fact when the climate was less politically charged, but it would have been quite another to read it in the years following 9-11 to see that he could take such a position on a large platform in that political context, in that political climate, would have made it just so much worse. Anyway, I'll be playing the clips at 1.2 speed because I'm trying to get done with this episode fast because I feel like it is uh, kind of urgent and uh, it's a constantly changing situation. So... Yeah, I don't think you'll notice much of a difference because of how slowly Harris tends to speak. Um, But usually I try not to speed up my clips in my episodes. This time is an exception because I'm just trying to get done with things a little bit faster than usual. So now let's see what he's been saying during this moment in human history, where an entire group of people is being severely dehumanized on a daily basis, while bombs rain down on civilians, especially children, even some of those who are trying to evacuate according to the instructions they were given. Just imagine there was a visual component to this podcast. I would just play Sam's words on top of the footage of destruction and rubble from Gaza, the footage of traumatized babies, headlines of the death toll, headlines about innocent journalists killed while doing their jobs, civilian homes and hospitals being bombed, celebrations from some Israelis, the rage from Israeli officials when journalists so much as questioned them about the value of Palestinian children's lives. I mean, of course there are evil people in all groups of humans. Those who will rejoice in the deaths and destruction of groups they have dehumanized. This isn't something specific to Muslims or Jews. We are seeing it on both sides. There are awful, violent passages you can point to in most ancient scripture. But humans are not robots who follow this blindly. 
Humans pick and choose because they live in the modern world. Some humans certainly will use these so-called divine commandments to do evil because, yeah, you can find a violent message in ancient scriptures if that's what you want to do. These are words that were written centuries ago. Of course, they will not align with modern values. Many people, like myself, have rejected them fully. Um, But for some, it's harder to wholesale reject everything that you've grown up with. So you kind of ignore the parts that you don't like or quote-unquote reinterpret. I mean, I have my, my issues with progressive religion and religiosity, but that's another conversation. Um, but all I'm saying is that people manage to find a way to live a modern, peaceful life and still value those scriptures, whether they ignore it, whether they're intellectually dishonest, whether they turn a blind eye. There are many peaceful Muslims and many peaceful Jews. All of these people right now standing up and condemning the violence. That's what we need to hear more of. That's what we need to support. If your simple interpretation just cannot move beyond religion, bad, you're a b- who just won't evolve, won't learn, and won't entertain a more complex thought. As painful as it may be, do remember, while he's speaking, to picture the atrocities we have seen in the past week or so. Just Hold those things in your mind as you hear his words. The contrast of that is really something that we need to experience to understand the scale of his awfulness. He begins by making it about... As many of you know, I've spent years talking about the clash, as I see it, between Western civilization and Islam. Specifically, I've spoken and written about the connection between the actual doctrines of Islam and jihadist violence. Because, of course, and just three minutes in, he's saying things like this. Incidentally, there was no occupation in Gaza. There hasn't been an occupation there since 2005, when Israel withdrew from the territory unilaterally, forcibly removing 9,000 of its own citizens and literally digging up Jewish graves. The Israelis have been out of Gaza for nearly 20 years, and yet they have been attacked from Gaza ever since. Remember, this monologue of his was released on October 12th, when there was already enough out there about how Israel was responding and who it was punishing and how many people were rejoicing in the destruction of Gaza. Just because it didn't look like ISIS or Hamas or their supporters, it doesn't mean there wasn't massive amounts of barbarism on display. At this moment in history... There are people and cultures that harbor very different attitudes about violence and the value of human life. There are people and cultures that rejoice, positively rejoice, dancing in the streets, rejoicing over the massacre of innocent civilians. Conversely, there are people and cultures that seek to avoid killing innocent civilians and deeply regret it when they do. And they occasionally prosecute and imprison their own soldiers when they violate this modern norm of combat. There are people and cultures who revel in the anguish of hostages and prisoners of war who will parade them before cheering mobs 
and often allow them to be assaulted or raped or even murdered. They will desecrate their bodies in public. And all of this carnage is a cause for jubilation. Conversely, there are people and cultures who find such barbarism revolting and again would be inclined to prosecute anyone on their own side who took part in it. In short, there are people and cultures who revel in war crimes and who do not hide these crimes or their celebration of them, but rather proudly broadcast their savagery for all the world to see. Conversely, there are people and cultures who've given us the very concept of a war crime as a sacred prohibition and as a safeguard in the ongoing project of maintaining the moral progress of civilization. There were, in fact, no sacred prohibitions, no safeguards, as convoys of evacuees were bombed, as white phosphorus was being used in civilian areas. So I'm not claiming that there are permanent differences between groups of people. God, what is his fucking obsession with differences between groups of people? I'm talking about the power of ideas that happen to be ascendant at any given time and place. I'm talking about beliefs and whole worldviews that come into being in one culture and have yet to come into being in others. The point, of course, is that if we recognize the monstrosities of the past, we should recognize the monstrosities of the present and acknowledge that at this moment in human history, not every group has the same ethical norms governing its use of violence. For whatever reason, perhaps religion has nothing to do with it. Right. There are some really great ethical norms on display by Israel right now, as we can all see. And in true Sam fashion, he hinges his plausible deniability about how he's not making this all about Islam on a perhaps. Hmm, perhaps religion has nothing to do with it. Even though he started the episode off talking about the clash between Western civilization and Islam and about how it's perpetually at war with jihadists. And I mean, like, truly, regular Muslims and regular Palestinians are just as much at war with jihadists because they don't do anything helpful for any Muslims at all. There has been nothing but pain for Palestinians since Hamas's attack. If Israel wanted to perpetrate a genocide of the Palestinians, it could do that easily tomorrow. But that isn't what it wants. Israeli Holocaust scholar and expert on genocide, Raz Segal, would disagree, I'm sure, that that's not what it wants. As he wrote a piece in Jewish Currents just recently about how this is, in fact, a textbook case of genocide. He says, Indeed, Israel's genocidal assault on Gaza is quite explicit, open, and unashamed. But what does he know in comparison to Sam, the inventor of logic and reason? Whenever an armed conflict breaks out, some groups will use human shields, and others will be deterred to one degree or another by their use. To be clear, I'm not talking about the taking of hostages from the opposing side for the purpose of using them as human shields. This is appalling, and it is now happening in Gaza. But it's a separate crime. I'm talking about something far more inscrutable. It's astounding, really, that it happens at all. I'm talking about people who will strategically put their own non-combatants, their own women and children, into the line of fire so that they can inflict further violence upon their enemies. 
knowing that their enemies have a more civilized moral code that will render them reluctant to shoot back for fear of killing or maiming innocent non-combatants. Have a more civilized moral code. Have a more civilized moral code. More civilized, more civilized moral code. Imagine the Israelis using their own women and children as human shields against Hamas. Recognize how unthinkable this would be. Not just for the Israelis to treat their own civilians in this way, but for them to expect that their enemies could be deterred by such a tactic, given who their enemies actually are. Again, it's easy to lose sight of the moral distance here, which is strange. It's like losing sight of the Grand Canyon when you are standing right on its edge. It seems to me like all of Gaza's civilians, its children, its women, its elderly are not deterring Israel in the slightest right now. Actually, the Israeli Minister of Defense himself has said pretty clearly, we are imposing a complete siege on Gaza. No electricity, no food, no water, no fuel. Everything is closed. We are fighting human animals and we will act accordingly. He literally said, we will eliminate everything. If that is not eliminationist rhetoric, I don't know what is. Of course, during times of war, it is common to dehumanize one's enemy, to describe them as barbarous and evil. And it's natural for ethical and educated people to distrust such politically charged language. But pay attention. I'm describing concrete behaviors, behaviors that occur on only one side of this conflict. Look, look, I know that this could be perceived as dehumanizing language, but it's totally right in this case, is what it sounds like his message is here, to me at least. Do you see what this asymmetry means? Can you see how deep it runs? Do you see what it tells you about the ethical difference between these two cultures? Ethical difference between these two cultures. There's a lot of asymmetry that Sam isn't talking about here. And um, when he says between these two cultures, you see, in the context of his episode, he jumped from talking about Hamas using human shields to, quote, these two cultures. Which two cultures, exactly? It seems like he's blurring the lines between Hamas and Palestinians. I mean, there are not many bright lines that divide good and evil in our world. But this is one of them. It doesn't get more blatant than this. As the state of Israel murders thousands of innocent civilians. He is framing it as a bright line that divides good and evil. Where the savage browns are on one side and the civilized, ethical Israelis are on the other. No matter how many children they kill, they are still the civilized, ethical ones, don't you see? Deterred by the very idea of hurting civilians. It's like he simply decided on a narrative and is not engaging with the reality of the situation. This is what it looks like when you're so dedicated to being non-tribal in theory, but not in practice. 
And I know he'd say, what's my tribe? You know, I'm an atheist. I'm not Israeli. What's my... Well, your tribe is anyone that is anti-Muslim, anyone that is anti-left. I've said this many times before, but that is the tribe. Anyone that is anti-woke. This is the result of thinking you're so rational and above having biases that you don't even realize how obviously biased you sound when you filter everything through your Islam bad lens. As this war proceeds, many people will consider the deaths of non-combatants on the Palestinian side to be morally equivalent to the kids who were tortured and murdered at the peace concert by Hamas or to the hostages who may yet be murdered and their murders broadcast on social media. But they're not. There is a difference between collateral damage, which is of course a euphemism for innocent people killed in war, and the intentional massacre of civilians for the purpose of maximizing horror. Simply counting the number of dead bodies is not a way of judging the moral balance here. Intentions matter. It matters what kind of world people are attempting to build. He really believes that Israel has no intention of maximizing horror, no intention of mass murdering civilians as it is happening in front of our eyes. It just has the very best intentions, as we can all see. It does not. I mean, I just... It's, it's hard to find the words because this sounds like a 10-year-old might have said it. That is the level of sophistication in Sam Harris's political analysis. What kind of world is Israel attempting to build right now? It's doing unbelievable amounts of harm and damage. This idea that it's secular and ethical and above such savagery while the religious fanatics are simple barbarians is is an attempt to whitewash what is happening. And I say this as a proud non-believer, as an atheist, as someone who has walked away from Islam, very vocally too, as someone who values secularism and has no love for religion. This is spin. It's a false belief. People can be barbaric with or without religion. There may be no cries to God as the bombs are being dropped on Gaza, but it is still savage as fuck. That Israel remains a lonely outpost of civilized ethics. Civilized ethics. Civilized ethics. In the absolute moral wasteland. Moral wasteland that is the Middle East. Israel remains a lonely outpost of civilized ethics in the absolute moral wasteland that is the Middle East. Just listen to the words he uses. A lonely outpost of civilized ethics. He is not even living in the same reality here if he considers this an example of civilized ethics. Moral wasteland that is the Middle East. This is dehumanizing rhetoric 101, like especially dangerous during a time of war and accelerated hate. To deny that Israeli culture, with all of its flaws, is better than the Palestinian culture in its attitude toward violence, is to deny that moral progress itself is possible. There it is. 
There was a little blurriness before when he was jumping from talking about Hamas to comparing cultures, but now it's pretty clear. In his mind, Israeli culture is simply superior to Palestinian culture. He's just said it. Never mind that this comparison is ludicrous to begin with because when you are living through constant violence and fear and instability with a lack of safety and basic resources, you cannot be fairly compared to a culture that has it all, that is far more affluent in every way. If most Americans are better than their slaveholding ancestors, if most Germans today are better than the people who herded Jews into gas chambers, if the students protesting this war on your college campus who are so conscientious that they lose sleep over crimes like cultural appropriation and using the wrong pronouns, if they're better than the racists and the religious lunatics that inevitably lurk somewhere in their family trees, then we have to recognize that there is no moral equivalence now between Israel and her enemies. Look at that. He even managed to bring in pronouns and cultural appropriation into the humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Like the absolute worst right-wing grifters that I also mentioned earlier. Like Dave fucking Rubin. Before he turned in his IDW card, he made a copy, you see? Because of course he did. He wanted to say he left the embarrassing anti-vaxxers, but really, the IDW will always be in his heart, as I said even then. Anyway, dear listeners, that is all from me for now. I know this episode will probably get me a lot of hate, get me called a Hamas supporter or some sort of Islamist, which, if you know me, is pretty ridiculous. Uh, It's hard to speak up about this when so much of the world clearly does not value brown Muslim lives in the same way it values others. That much is very apparent in the general global response to this situation. But, you know, I am going to say what I have to say. So if it gets me hate, then so be it. If by some chance you don't want to send hate and instead would like to support this show, then please head on over to patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes and become a patron today. And geez, we really, really need that for the show to survive right now. I've also just launched a new mini-series on the global far right, and the first episode is available in full to patrons. Do check it out. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Woking Up. You can support this show by sharing it or via patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. No Ian Mangoes. And a special thanks to Intellectual Dark Wave for helping out on the musical front.